All right. Welcome to another episode of the Mission Hills podcast, Quarantine Edition. Uh, thank you so much for uh, filling in last week, Kelly, and for recording great music for us. Uh, we're so grateful to have this community, even though we are all uh, separate right now. Um, it's, uh, it's been great to connect with you all on Zoom and Google and through the, the Facebook group and the group chat on uh, iMessage. Um, so just from, from me, it's been, it's been a really encouraging time, even though we can't, can't be there in person uh, together. So I want to give some, some thoughts this week on our lectionary text, but I'm sure like many of you, like my mind has been everywhere with all of this. I mean, just taking in, um, taking in what we see in the news and trying to understand the, the magnitude of uh, the pandemic and how it's affecting so many people across our world right now and how uh, it's all made us very aware, if we weren't already, how deeply interconnected we all are as, uh, as a species, as um, this global, global ecosystem that we're a part of. Um, and trying to integrate all of that at a time where... Um, we're in the season of Lent together, um, but but obviously we're 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 not together. We're we're isolated, but we still have this. We're balancing this um, this aspect of of human life in 2020, where um, we are physically isolated from each other, but we are maybe more aware of our interconnectedness and our need for human intimacy and connection. Um, than maybe ever before. And I think that that opens up a lot of possibilities and hopefully really gets us to think critically about um, our interpersonal relationships, how we engage um, with people in our community, how we engage with people at church, how we um, interact at work when we are around people. I I can't help but um, imagine this season of of isolation and connection, you know, via the digital world, um, how we will um, hopefully come out differently uh, and and really use this as a, uh, a space for transformation. And obviously, we're incredibly grateful for um, for all of those who are keeping the world going, who have always kept the world going, but. Uh, we now realize those essential jobs, right? <laughs> Pastor is not an essential job, right? <laughs> okay. I can be here and talk on uh, a microphone, and, and that's great, but uh, wh- like, wow, we need so many people to keep, um, to keep the essentials of human life um, going. So um, if, you, if you work in one of those industries, if you have family and loved ones that are working in healthcare, um, so much love and gratitude um, from me, and I know all of us um, just go out to to those people that are, um, I mean, they've dedicated their lives to, to other people um, in real ways. Uh, I'll post a, <coughs> voice crack, I'll, I'll post a link to, um, there's this great piece of art, I don't know if I can find the name right here on my laptop. Um, but uh, last month, there was a, an artist who, who did this uh, scale piece of a, of a chapel um, 
And instead of having uh, religious icons, the entire chapel was filled with um, the first responders and doctors and nurses that are actually um, saving lives right now. And um, just are, I think they're working around the clock, uh, just unbelievably inspiring. Um, and I thought that was a, a really good way to honor all those people that are doing that work um, and how how the, the, they're really the true the true saints of this era. So you know where do we where do we find ourselves this week in Lent? Um, I think it was a couple of weeks ago, and somebody was talking about quarantine. Right, we hear that phrase a lot. We're all quarantined, and quarantined uh, actually means uh, forty days. Uh, and I thought, wow, that's that's really kind of bizarre that we're all in quarantine and we're also in the season of Lent, which is a season of 40 days. So uh, maybe that changes your perspective a little in thinking about um, Lent as a season of transformation, which we talk about a lot, and um, the fact that we are all in quarantine in some way, shape, or form, right? Life as we normally live it, can't go on right now. Um, we are in forced um, isolation as a time to, to well, you can do whatever you want, but hopefully as a time of transformation. I mean, um, speaking of doing whatever you want, I watched the entire, <laughs> watched the entire uh, docu-series Tiger King on Netflix in one night last night. So um, you, you're very free to, to do whatever you want. If you haven't seen Tiger King, I'm not sure if it's a show that I can like honestly recommend uh, for a variety of reasons. Uh, But to give you the basic premise, there's uh, an entire community of like big cat tiger owners in our country. And it's really problematic, come to find out. But it follows a few of these big cat tiger owners and their community and kind of all the insidious things that exist in that world um, and all the crazy crazy characters that exist in that world. So um, during this time of quarantine, you know, we can spend our time watching Tiger King, uh, or maybe we can spend some time um, doing some deep work of reflection and transformation. Um, I know there's a lot of talk about um, this being a a season of apocalypse whenever we think about pandemics or we think about the movie Contagion. um, You know, apocalyptic movies come to mind, right? Um, And we kind of feel like in in some weird way that we've been thrust into an apocalyptic scenario. But like many of you know, apocalypse is uh, is just a word for revealing, right? The the final book of the Bible is, is revelation. It's just... Uh, another, um, it's another term for um, something being revealed. And I think we've uh, experienced over the last couple of weeks that so much uh, in our society and in our world uh, has been revealed. Whether we um, knew it or not, we, I think, see it and experience it in a very different way. Um, I just think of, um, you know, I often think of the the wealth inequality that we have in our country. Like I knew that. I, you know, we all we all knew that to a certain degree that there's this just giant gap um, where you have 
you know, the richest three Americans owning as much wealth um, as the, the bottom half of Americans, or um, you know, the top 1% owning more wealth than, than the bottom 90%. I think it's over 90% now. Um, so those are things that we intellectually knew. Uh, but when society is thrust into uh, a pandemic and people, I mean, en masse lose their jobs, over 3 million people just this week, we found out, uh, applied for unemployment. So uh, we've never seen uh, this kind of um, scramble because our uh, system and the economy and the way that we set up our world, um, we probably knew that it was untenable to live like this, um, but now we've, we've experienced it in a new way. And that's an uh, apocalypse, but it's a, it's a revealing. Now, the question is, in this kind of scenario, is what happens after the apocalypse? Hold on, I'm just going to fix my garage band here. You know, what happens after the apocalypse? Um, do we go back to the way things were before? Or is something deeply, deeply transformed, both within us personally during this time and in our society? Do we return to the status quo? Um, I think we saw this week a lot of uh, political scrambling um, by those in power to do only enough to maintain the status quo, to just um, solve this emergency, solve this emergency, don't do anything more, um, you know, keep the uh, major corporations operating, the stock market is tanked, uh, we just gotta keep things as um, okay for now, and then when this is all over, we'll return back to normal. And we even saw this with um, the, um, the stimulus package that was passed. I mean, um, there were politicians, you know, freaking out that, um, you know, there was an extra $600 uh, added to the unemployment insurance um, for everybody that filed for unemployment, and for some people making, you know, $10 an hour, um, that that, actually, that $600 would actually, in the end, for those four months that they were on unemployment, give them a little bit more than $10 an hour. And that is what they, <laughs> they were worried about, is, is somebody uh, who's already making below what the minimum wage should, during a pandemic, because it's below a living wage, um, that this person losing their job during a pandemic, if they made a little bit more than what is already below minimum wage, uh, that was bothersome to <laughs> certain politicians this week. Uh, just do enough to not change anything so that when this disease is over, we go back to the status quo. Same thing with the healthcare industry, and we, we don't have to go into all of that, but it's just like, we have, the, we have the system, we have the apparatus, we have the means, we have the innovation uh, to, to not live this way, but it's like we would rather just do the bare minimum in a time of emergency and then return to the status quo as a society, which is uh, you know, a healthcare industry and um, an insurance industry that profits billions off the, uh, um, off the system while we provide really inadequate healthcare at you know, twice the cost of, of other nations that have 
um, a more universal system. So it, it just it's interesting to think of apocalypse as a season of revealing. What is a season revealing in us, and what is it revealing in our society? And it, you know, at the end of it, will we change? Will we be different? Uh, I think is the real the, the real question, uh, and that goes for all of us individually, and I think as a society as well. Um, and I know I've been kind of rambling, but uh, we usually do a question on Sunday mornings. Um, and I guess the question for today is, um, what is this season? What is this quarantine, this 40 days? What is it revealing in your life? What is the apocalypse bubbling under the surface? Uh, what's stirring in your life right now? Yeah, what is, what is this quarantine revealing in your life right now, besides Tiger King? <laughs> um, our lectionary text today, since I should probably bring the lectionary into this, uh, is John 11, 1 through 45, which is um, quite a long story, um, but it's probably one that you're familiar with. It's, uh, it's a story of Mary and Martha, and they come to Jesus and uh, tell Jesus that, that Lazarus is, is sick. And it's very, it's very weird that this story is, um, is set for this week uh, because, you know, here, here they come to Jesus and they're just, they're just worried about their brother uh, being sick and, and they know that Jesus has uh, the power to heal and they don't want him to die. Um, and, and I think it, for me, the story even hits a little, uh, it's a little too on the nose uh, for this week as we think about all of those who have lost their lives in, um, in the past two months um, since this whole thing really started. And it's just, uh, it's devastating to think about um, all those people that... Um, that have have died because of of this virus and whatever the the, the reasons um, behind that. Uh, I'm not so much interested in in um, playing the like the blame game of like what um, countries or administrations um, could have done and should have done. I think that's a conversation for another time. But just thinking on the human level of all of those um, that have been affected so far. And I mean, I think this is where this whole thing is a bit overwhelming for me is um, that at least so far what the science tells us is that uh, in our country, we already have the most cases and it'll be another two weeks before we actually potentially reach the peak. I know Trump wants us to be back in church by Easter, but let me just tell you, we're probably not, <laughs> we're not having Easter in church. Um, so... Um, but all that to say is it's just so, it's even so overwhelming to think uh, on a human level, all of those who have lost and will, and will lose their lives because of this. And uh, it just implores us to, to continue to be um, in prayer and um, doing everything we can to, to help stop the spread of this, this virus because um, 
that's really that's really what our task is at this point is to do everything in our power to 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 slow the spread of the virus so that um, so that people don't lose their lives. Um, so I'm going to read a, just a, a little bit of this story, um, and then and then hopefully conclude with a couple of thoughts. Starting in verse one, John chapter eleven. Now a certain man was ill, Lazarus of Bethany, the village of Mary and her, and her sister Martha. Mary was the one who anointed the Lord with perfume and wiped his feet with her hair. Her brother Lazarus was ill. So the sisters sent a message to Jesus. Lord, he whom you love is ill. But when Jesus heard it, he said, this illness does not lead to death, rather is for God's glory so that the Son of God may be glorified through it. Accordingly, though Jesus loved Martha and her sister Lazarus, after having heard that, the, that Lazarus was ill, he stayed two days longer in the place where he was. Then after this, he said to the disciples, let's go to Judea again. The disciples said to him, Rabbi, the Jews were just now trying to stone you, and you, why do you want to go there again? And Jesus answered, are there not 12 hours of daylight? Those who work during the day do not stumble because they see the light of this world, but those who walk at night stumble because the light is, in, is not in them. After saying this, he told them, our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep, but I'm going to go there to awaken him. The disciples said to him, Lord, if he has fallen asleep, he will be all right. Jesus, however, had been speaking about his death, though they uh, thought he was referring to merely to sleep. Then Jesus told them plainly, Lazarus is dead. For your sake, I am glad that I was not there so that you may believe, but let us go to him. And then um, you, you probably know the, the rest of the story. Um, I'll just, I'll, I'll just scroll down to the end and, and read the end. Um, it's 45 verses, so. Um, so they took away the stone. This is in uh, verse 41. And Jesus looked up and said, Father, I thank you for having heard me. I knew that you always hear me, but I have said this for the sake of the crowd standing here, so that they may believe that you sent me. And when he said this, he cried with a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. The dead, the dead man came out, his feet and hands bound with strips of cloth, and his face wrapped in, wrapped in a cloth, and said, said to them, Unbind him and let him go. Many of the Jews, therefore, had come, out, had come with, Mar with Mary and had seen what Jesus did and believed in him. Uh, it's a profound story, and it plays on so many different, um, it plays on so many different levels. Um, and... Maybe this morning, um, I have my coffee. Maybe you have a, a beverage when you're listening listening to this. Um, is just thinking about this idea of um, well, one. I mean, we can we can look at this very literally um, when thinking of um, you know how many people um, are being saved right now um, because of all the heroic. Um, people that are um, coming out and volunteering um, to help out with this pandemic. I mean, you just see so many um, inspirational and heroic figures that don't have to go out and, and go above and beyond to save lives, and people are doing it. I mean, it's unbelievable. Um, and if, for me, when I read this text um, during this time, I... 
I see that. I see people coming out and, and raising the dead. Um, people that um, wouldn't be taken care of are, are being taken care of because people are, are doing the work. And that's inspiring. Um, and perhaps we could also look at this um, from a bit more of a, a spiritual perspective of, um, you know, you have Lazarus going into this tomb Right, going into this tomb, uh, dying, and then being, um, you know, resuscitated. Bob always says there's a distinction between resurrection and resuscitation, but um, Lazarus comes back to life. Um, there is, um, in all of the great spiritual traditions, um, both the womb and the tomb uh, are these places of darkness, um, that uh, symbolize moments of, of transformation. We talked about um, several weeks ago. Um, you know, we, we find this in nature. We find this uh, with the caterpillar turning into a butterfly. Um, Jesus tells um, the Pharisee, um, you know, you have to enter your mother's womb again. And the guy's like, well, um, you know, you have to be born again. And the guy's like, well, how, how am I going to do that? How am I going to enter my mother's womb and, and, and Jesus answered the question, um, but the, you know, I think the answer is yes. Like you have to, you have to enter the womb or the tomb, um, a season of darkness, in order to come out transformed. And as we think about the season of Lent and we think about quarantine, how is this going to be a season? Of transformation for us, you know, we've um, maybe unlike any time in human history, um, the global community has been thrust um, into this experience of the tomb together. Um, you know, never before has has a, an event so. Um, taken um, the entire world like this has, where it doesn't matter <laughs> what country you're from or what language you speak, um, everybody has been forced into a season of lockdown and quarantine. Um, all my friends in Hawaii, you know, I mean, no incoming flights, no incoming people. Uh, I mean, especially on a vulnerable island, like, uh, you know, everybody is in lockdown. Um, I saw a thing on the news about New Zealand um, and just how um, vulnerable their population could potentially be. Um, there was a projection that up to 89% of New Zealanders could catch the virus. So um, this has, uh, it has gone beyond any kind of experience um, that our, um, our world has gone through, and what might that uh, tomb present? Um, we are all, we are all, in in a sense, like Mary and and Martha. And forgive me for for riffing this morning a bit more, but we're all a bit like we're all a bit, a bit like Mary and Martha. Like we're like scrambling. Like so many people are are uh, are ill, and uh, we have to do something. We have to. Um, you know, like, what, what can we do? How can we help? And all of that is, 
is good and right, and we feel the grief of this experience. I'll put another link to it. The Harvard Business Review had a great article about um, you know the the feeling of discomfort that we all have, like that uneasiness that we all feel, is grief. Um, that we don't know what to <laughs> we don't know what to do. Uh, one of the apocalyptic things that the season is uh, revealing is that um, it's like th the way that we all like we all see the world differently, right? We know that. We, even in our country, we, we all see the world very differently. If you watch Tiger King, everybody sees the world very differently. Um, but it's like we were grieving because the world that we thought we knew, whatever that was, uh, we now all realize, no matter where we're from, that uh, we live in a different kind of world. And there's a bit of a there's a bit of grieving that has to take place um, in that experience. And I think like Mary and Martha, like it's only natural to kind of scramble a little bit and to be anxious and to, to kind of say, you know, what can we do? There's so many people that are hurt. Like, um, you know, we need to do something like Jesus, like, come on, come on. You know, like we got to figure this out. Um, and yet there's... Um, Perhaps uh, Jesus here is teaching us something about um, about the pattern of of going into the tomb uh, together, about this experience that we're all um, going through right now, and what that might lead to. What uh, what possibilities could come from this? What how could we be how could we be changed by all of this positive change? Uh, there was a quote from Rohr's book this um, this week. I don't have it with me, but um, talking about um, positive change, like transformation as as positive change. Um, and I think that's what we're um, we're not going back to the way things were before. Um, and I hope when we uh, when this virus passes and we return um, to our normal patterns, our jobs, our routines. Um, that we don't go back to who we were before as individuals, as a church, as a community, and as a society, and as a, as a, as a species, as a global species. I mean, we have to hope that this brings us together, that it, that it gives us a level of connection and empathy and love, compassion for our entire world as interrelated and interconnected, uh, person to person, and uh, person to everything on this planet. Um, I get excited when I think of, how might this change the conversation around climate change? Like, how might it awaken and stir within our species and within our countries to to collaborate and to work together because we've been forced to collaborate and work together um, to stop the spread of this virus. And it, and it just shows us that when we're all in it together and dedicated towards a, a common purpose and a common um, humanity, that we can accomplish amazing things if, when we work together. Um, what if we saw the climate crisis in that same way unbelievable, um, the, the changes and transformation that we can make uh, in the next 20 years. And it's so funny that, you know,
people will say, oh, it's, a, it's like impossible to get all the different countries on board to have such ambitious goals um, because there are so many um, market interests. There's so much capital involved. Um, there are so many different resources um, in different areas of the world that certain countries are going to to use and exploit those resources. But what if we saw our interconnectedness differently after this? Like what are the possibilities of coming out of the tomb, coming out of the quarantine, this the season of darkness, anxiety, grief? What if we came out differently? Positive change. Thank you for letting me riff. Um, I just want to close with a couple of thoughts. Um, there's been a, a quote that's been going around this week, and um, I thought it'd be worth uh, reading. I first read it in Mark Fisher's book, um, Capitalist Realism. Um, and he, he writes, uh, I feel it's Frederick Jameson is who this is uh, typically attributed to, but um, it says, the easy, it's easier to imagine the end of the world than the end of capitalism. It's easier to imagine the end of the world than the end of capitalism. And um, I think that, to a certain degree, is, is true. Um, and I think we've, we've seen so many people in our political system go that way. But, it, I mean, it's such a cynical view. Like, there's so much out there to be positive about. And we need to push back on this kind of thinking. It's easier to imagine the end of the world than the end of capitalism. Um, and, you know, you might have seen it, but like there were people on Fox News this week uh, <laughs> hinting at um, sacrificing the elderly in order to, uh, to save the country. Uh, the Lieutenant Governor Dan Patrick of Texas was one of those. Maybe you saw the clip going around. But he was like, you know, uh, those of us who are 70 plus, we'll be fine. You know, we got to save the country for our, for our kids and grandkids. And what they're saying is they have to save this uh, capitalistic system. Like what they're expressing is this quote that it's easier to imagine the end of the world. We'll just sacrifice who we need to sacrifice so that this unfettered market capitalism can keep pushing forward. So it can keep going on. And this is the kind of return to the status quo that we will not accept, or I will not accept. Um, that whatever is stirring in you, whatever this season is revealing to you, um, sit with it. You know, be in the tomb a little while. Um, unlike any time in human history, perhaps, uh, definitely in in my lifetime and our lifetimes probably, we, are, we, are, we have been given a gift, an opportunity to collectively imagine a new life for ourselves and a new existence and world that we can live in. Like, what, what an opportunity. Um... I think I'll close there. I'll close with a, a couple of readings um, from Richard Rohr's meditation from, I think it was this morning. It was just so fitting. He, he's talking about um, love is stronger than death. 
is from uh, Friday, March uh, 27th, if you want to look at this later. And he writes this. We are all allowed to ride life and love's wonderful mystery for a few years until life and love reveal themselves as the same thing. This is the final and full message of the risen Christ. Life morphing into a love that is beyond space and time. God literally breathes shalom and forgiveness into the universal air. And we get to add our own finishing touches of love, our own life and breath to the great breath. And then we return the completed package to its maker in a brand new but also same form. Love has you. Love is you. Love alone in your deep need for love recognizes love everywhere else. Remember that you are already what you are seeking. Any fear that you lack of fidelity could cancel God's fidelity is absurd, says Paul. Love has finally overcome fear, and your house is being rebuilt on a new and solid foundation. This foundation was always there, but it takes us a long time to find it. It is love alone that lasts, says First Corinthians. All you have loved in your life and been loved by are eternal and true. And I think that's a good place to, to end is this experience that love is stronger than death. We see that in our lectionary text. I think if we look for it, we see that in our world. And we know on a spiritual level, hopefully that experience for us personally. And if we haven't, if you haven't experienced that, maybe this is a season to to ask like what is being revealed within us. And do we really believe that? Do we, have we really experienced that? That love is stronger than death. I think I'll close it there. Uh, I was looking in my notes to see if there's anything else that I wanted to, to say. There's a, um, there's a poem that I put on, on the website, and I'll, I'll link to that, um, by uh, Rilke on, uh, called Onto a Vast Plain. Um, but other than that, we will continue to do these for the foreseeable future, put them out on Fridays, and uh, we'll keep gathering on uh, Zoom on Sunday mornings at 10 a.m., so if you uh, want to join us at 10 a.m. on Sundays, uh, just find the link in the Facebook group or send me an email for that link at missionhillsla at gmail.com if you want to join that from anywhere in the world. And uh, we will also continue on Wednesday nights at 7. We have a few more weeks going through the Universal Christ, and then we will um, we'll move on with a, a different subject or a different topic and um, that'll be great. We'll continue to do that on Wednesdays on, at Zoom as well. So if you want all that information, just feel free to, to join the Facebook group or just write a message um, in an email and send it to me. Or you can, Facebook, uh, you can Facebook message me. That works as well, too. But anyways, everybody be well, be safe. If you need anything, let us know, and uh, love you all. Bye.